Well, good morning. Glad to see you all came out in the weather today. Uh, if your drive was like mine, puddles and uh, highway patrol. Thank you. They didn't stop me. I didn't. Don't mean to. It wasn't that. Um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, my part of our Advent will finish up today with the names of Jesus. The names given by the prophet Isaiah as a prophecy of the Messiah. The prophet in the Old Testament was someone who was used by God to speak his truth. And there were the writing prophets and the non-writing prophets, but, but both called by God to represent him. The prophet was required to deliver God's message accurately. In fact, there, there's several warnings in scripture about, uh, beware of false prophets. Often a prophet in the Old Testament would predict the future. It's funny when you do the research, uh, they often question Isaiah that Isaiah couldn't have written that because he wrote about something that was in the future that then happened. And they said, well, obviously he couldn't have written that. How could he have known? There's an easy answer. It's God. It's like kind of missed the point of what prophecy might be. Isaiah was one of the major prophets. So the major and the minors. Not not major in importance, but major in length. Just sheer volume of material that he wrote was tremendous. One of the more striking events in the life of Isaiah, uh, probably in, in all of the Bible, it, it is, it is um, noteworthy, is recorded in Isaiah 6. Isaiah, when he was called as a prophet, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood seraphim, each having six wings. And two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And they would call out one to another, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook, and the voice of him who was called, and the house was filled with smoke. And then I, Isaiah, said, woe is me. By the way, that's a correct response when you see God. He says, woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand 
a burning coal and taking it with tongs from the altar, he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips and guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. There was a sacrifice for the atonement. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I. Send me. And he said, go. And, and, and I read that it is one of those pictures into heaven that is so clearly described by Isaiah. And this was when Isaiah was, was commissioned. Right? He said, who's going to go? And Isaiah jumped up, threw up his hands. Here I am. This is me. This is my chance. I will do this for you. Isaiah was commissioned to speak for God as a prophet. And he couldn't say anything that wasn't true without then being a false prophet. There are several passages in Isaiah that talk about the Messiah, right? That would talk about Jesus. Now I want to focus on on verse uh, 6 of chapter 9. It says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, out of context, that sounds a very strange way to describe a baby. Yet, when you understand what's at stake, It is so helpful to us that we see these descriptions they will help us understand something about Jesus, about God. So for the first century believer, specifically maybe the the disciples as they traveled with Jesus, understanding that this Jesus is the one who fulfilled these prophecies, you might have a misunderstanding about what Jesus was all about. Well, it said it right there, the government will be on his shoulders. That sure seems to indicate some sort of of him leading to victory against the oppressive Roman Empire. Yet the description, the names that are used, they help us understand the kind of Messiah Jesus is. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Well, let's take those one at a time. And, and look at what it means. For. Us to have a savior. First of all. God is wonderful counselor. What does that mean? He brings comfort and direction. I appreciate that. Comfort and direction. Jesus told us, as recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, about the Holy Spirit. Starting in verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it 
neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. You see, some relegate the Holy Spirit as that that little voice in your head telling you, do this, don't do this. You know, right? The cartoon angel on your shoulder versus the devil on the other. Yet, since we are talking about the Holy Spirit as counselor, one of his jobs is to help us know what is right and wrong, to know the difference between good and evil. This is how we make judgments all the time. Right? That is how God works through our conscience, and that's not a bad thing. Etymologically, conscience comes from the Latin, consensia. It, it means with knowledge. And that God works through our conscience and the Holy Spirit enabling us to, to have understanding. That's the incredible thing. That's how God worked us, that we use the knowledge we have and that he grants us through the Holy Spirit wisdom. So we've been given a great capacity to know and to learn. Then the Holy Spirit empowers us to then be wise. Luke 11, 13, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I'm grateful for that. So often in ministry, and there's difficult things that that come up and you don't quite know what to do and how to do it. I got a call one day. You need to get here right away. Okay, I've got my family in the car. He goes, just come. You need to be here. Okay. Turned around, got there to a family's house, and there was a bunch of family and friends already there. And uh, the, the gentleman that called me, I said, what's going on? He said, their son died. 21 years old on his birthday. They need their pastor. Okay. Told my wife, keep the kids in the car. I'll go figure out what's going on. She didn't wait in the car. She came with me. It's probably a good thing. I didn't know what to say. The incredible thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit enables you to do things that you don't know what to do. Uh, the, uh, the great thing about it, I didn't have to say anything. I walked into this um, couple with their son who had just died and they were in shock. And all I could do was put my arms around them and cry with them. And later, I had an opportunity to talk and, and reflect. And, and over years after that, that they dealt with that. God gave me the words. I'm not near as gracious as the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful. Because I look back and I could have really blown it. Right? Doing a funeral in that context with a lot of young people. You could really blow it. But I could look back and be grateful that the Holy Spirit gave me the words. There's a reason James said 
If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously all without reproach. It will be given him. If you've not prayed for wisdom, you need to. Because scripture tells you to. God, give me the words to say. Give me the, the, not just the words, but the way to say it. I've gotten in more uh, disagreements with my wife over the way I said something than what I said. Normally what I said seemed fine, but boy, the way I said it was not okay. And so we ask, God, help me to do this better. And he enables us to do that. God is a wonderful counselor. He is also mighty God. What does that mean? That God is mighty God. It means that he is never overwhelmed or confused. Right? I don't know about you. But unlike us, he's never overwhelmed. There's never so much going on that he's like, I just need a break. Unlike us, he is always working things for our good. Even the challenging things that come on in our life that we just, I just want to get away. He's like, I got this. He's got a plan. Even when we don't. Now, if he's mighty God and he's never overwhelmed, then then how come there are things in my life that go on that I struggle with? Why doesn't he take these things away from me? I have thought about that. By the way, that is a, a question that has come up throughout all of human history and specifically in the church. Why are we struggling with, with just these difficult challenges in our life? And I wish that there was an easy answer. There's some hard answers. But I think one of them, this will, will almost sound trite when I say it this way. But it helps me understand a little bit. My, my daughter's room needs to be cleaned. Now, I could do it in minutes. I could put stuff up. I could uh, organize it, make the bed, vacuum, dust in minutes. I could walk away going, man, I feel so much better. Her room is clean because it bothers me when it's not. But me doing that benefited her little. She doesn't care. Yeah, the room's clean. What does it matter? She's 10. Yet, if I work with her, train her, teach her, show her what to do, it's going to take so much more time. But she will benefit from the work. She will benefit from the effort. She will grow because of it. Now, that's why I said it might sound a little trite, but, but there are things that we will deal with in life that are incredibly difficult. That are really hard to deal with. And it seems like, come on, if he is a loving God and he's mighty and powerful, right? That's what it means to be omnipotent. That he could fix it. Then why doesn't he? Well, I know that I am stronger because of some of the things that I've had to deal with. 
And so are you. There have been challenges in your life that have come along and God has used them to make you the person you are today. That's not an accident. None of us are here by accident. In fact, every one of us is here for a specific purpose that you then can be equipped to go and serve the Lord, to spread the gospel, to love in the name of Christ. He is mighty God and he is working things for your good. I won't always understand what he's doing, but I trust that he's good. Isaiah 40, verse 28, Isaiah writing, he says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That's the mighty God. Since we talked a couple of weeks ago about Jesus, the baby, the cross, the empty tomb, they were always God's plan, not his latch, last-ditch effort. That's still true. But that baby, in Hebrews 1, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's the same Messiah, the same Jesus. Since he is God, he is the radiance and glory of God. And then because he is mighty God, there is nothing will be impossible with God. Since he is working for our good and nothing is impossible for him, then what do we have to worry about? Now, once you understand that, even when things are difficult and challenging, it makes it that much easier to deal with the challenges and struggles of life. He is mighty God. He is wonderful counselor. And then number three, he is everlasting father. Again, strange way to describe a baby. He is everlasting father. He cares for us as a good parent would. Since I don't know everything going on in your lives, I can make some guesses. The odds are good that some of us are dealing with some heartache. And Christmas time can ex- exacerbate that hurt. That's how it is. Every year, lost loved ones, strained relationships, it happens. I would encourage you not to pull back from church. Instead, I would say push in. Push into community groups. Call brothers and sisters and ask them to meet for coffee. This is God's plan, not coffee, but meeting with brothers and sisters. I do think coffee is God's plan. (laughs) He gave us the tools to deal with life. The Bible the church, the Holy Spirit. Because he's a compassionate, loving father. 
Psalm 103 verse 13 as a father shows compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's us. His children. He shows compassion on us because he loves us. We have a heavenly father. These aren't just words that sound nice in a song. The reality of who God is. There's a reason that he's not just God the Father, he's called Abba. Is that intimate description of a young child describing his daddy. That's who we're talking to. And then 1 John 3 See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. That's part of the reason things can be challenging. And there it is. What kind of love does the Father lavish on us? Unconditional love. Depending on the translation, sometimes it's it's just give or lavish. And then God is Prince of Peace. Where he rules, there is peace. He promises peace. This is not the temporary peace of an afternoon nap. This is not the peace of turning in your last exam. It's not the peace of finally pushing the mower into the shed because you finally got your lawn sorted. This is true peace. It's the kind of peace that, that goes on when things around you are hard. Right? Even in the midst of challenging circumstances, you can be at peace. Now, I don't mean this, this weird detachment from reality kind of thing. I mean an understanding that, yeah, things are hard, I get that, but I trust the Lord. That's the kind of peace we're talking about. Jesus is recorded in John sixteen thirty three. He said, I said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribu- tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That by the way, it doesn't just say that in this life things might be hard. In this life things might not always go the way you planned. He uses the word tribulation. As difficult as things might be, I don't know that I would ever use any event in my life and describe it as a tribulation. But the first century church did. They, they endured arrest, abuse, martyrdom, right? There's a, in, in a church tradition, it's described that in Hebrews, when they talk about the prophets that were killed, Isaiah most likely was the one that was cut in half. The Isaiah, who we're talking about, These are people that faithfully served the Lord and these really rough things happened in their life. In this life, you might have difficulty. In this life, you might 
have to endure some setbacks. He even says, in this life, you might have to endure tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Even in the midst of tribulation, he has overcome the world. And Jesus promises peace. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. So what does that mean? That the peace of God would rule in your hearts. It means that in the midst of whatever else is going on around you. You can be at peace. It's the difference between happiness and joy. Right? Happiness is based on circumstances. I am happy today because I had a good night's sleep. I had a nice breakfast. I had a cup of coffee. I'm happy. I get to be with you guys. I'm happy. But tomorrow I won't get to be with you guys. I'm going to be giving finals. That means I have to grade finals. Oh, I won't be happy. But I can be joyful either way. I get to be with my students. It's all good. But I can be joyful regardless of what's going on. I can be joyful because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As important as all of those titles are, right? The, the baby, the Messiah, Jesus, his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As important as those are, I'm always clear to mention that Jesus is Savior. It is by our belief that He is the Son of God who died on the cross to pay for our sins. That if I I believe, repent of my sins, and trust Him, my sins will be forgiven. Then that regardless of what's going on in my life, I will have eternal life. He promises to work in my life. That, that's the, the process scripture calls sanctification, right? As we grow in faith, we get better at this. Thankfully, that he loves you just as you are. There's nothing you need to do to get right. No, you trust him and then he will work in you. To grow you into the likeness of his son. I have some next steps for you today. First of all. My next step today is to lean into the peace that is Jesus. I know some of you probably have some finals coming up. You've got some stress of the holidays. Some travel to take care of. Uh. Some heartache to deal with. Lean into the peace of Jesus. Regardless of what has been going on. Lean into Christ. And trust that he is wonderful counselor. And then the second one. Reflect on the titles mentioned in Isaiah 9.6. Am I representing Jesus with these in mind? I think I mentioned this uh, last week, that, that it is easy 
kind of go through the motions and to forget that we have this incredible truth that we have been entrusted. The gospel. The, the, the reality of that is it permeates in my life. It should be evident to others around me. Right? That people should see in me what God has done. And if not, why not? Remember having an opportunity to share with my boss when I was in college. I worked in the bookstore. And, and I was so excited that I got to share that I had become a Christian fairly recent. And he said, he goes, you know, I noticed. I go, you noticed? He actually noticed something about me. I didn't know what he noticed. I still don't. But there was something that was evident to him as a Christian himself that, that I had changed. I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful that I didn't have to do anything to come to Christ. That I'm grateful that God didn't leave me that way. That he worked in me to grow me. Even in that short amount of time. Thankfully, I'm 30 years past that. God is so good. That he's not going to leave you where you're at. He wants to grow you. But don't live 30 years over again. Grow for 30 years. Right? Allow God to work in you. As you grow into the likeness of Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, so grateful for your son. Grateful that Jesus is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. Father, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, we pray that you would continue to grow in us as we lean into your peace, as we lean into what you desire to do in our lives, that this season, this Christmas, would be all about you, who you are, what you desire to do. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that uh, you've given us your son and we celebrate his birthday. Father, continue to give us knowledge, wisdom, Father, peace and joy. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.